Welcome to Panther Pori, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Presented by Florida Hockey Now. Here are your hosts, Jacob Langsom, Alex Lopez, and TJ Peterson. Welcome everyone to a very special edition of Panther Pori. It's very special because it's just me and Alex here tonight. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we just finished watching a 4 nothing win where the Panthers weren't the best, better team on the ice for most of the second half of the game. But when your goalie is good and you're playing Eric Comrie and Nett, like, you're usually going to win those games, regardless yeah. of whether you're not you're on the second night of a back-to-back and have no legs. Second night of a back-to-back legs. We're definitely showing there, but it's a great back-to-back for the Panthers. Coming off of a just – dominating 4 nothing win against the Avalanche on Saturday. They go into Pittsburgh, and they kind of snatch their soul. 5-2 to two win. Shout out, though, to John Ludwig, guest on the show in the past, getting his first NHL goal. It, it, it kind of wasn't great that it was against the Panthers, but you could fully appreciate it from our perspective because they had a four-goal lead in the third period at the time. So, yeah. shout out to John Ludwig. Uh, looked Generally solid. Uh, I'm hoping the best for him. He just came back from a concussion. And, you know, he's got to get his career going. Uh, and we really hope he does. And tonight, the 45-save shutout for Stolarz. 4 nothing win for Hagee with a couple of goals. Let's talk about the Sam Reinhardt breakaway move. He just whipped on the between the, yeah. back, the back, or what was it? I mean, yeah, it was when he brought it around the puck, wobbled just a little bit and rolled off his stick. I mean, yes, these guys make it look incredibly easy, but that's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, if the ice isn't perfect, which it wasn't in that situation since I believe it was late in the second or first. Yeah, I think it was late in the second. It was late in the period either way. And, you know, the puck just rolled off his stick, but it would have been. I mean, to score your 40th goal like that would have been just so good. And he had Comrie absolutely dead to rights. Yep. It was it was kind of funny, especially after winning the game in hindsight that that happened. Yeah. And then he had another shot to get his 40th and pass it up to Verhage so he can get his second of the night. So, you know, you, you kind of saw both things. It's like, I really want to have my 40th be this super flashy goal, but I also don't want my 40th to uh, be an empty netter in a three nothing or a two nothing game. Like it was, it was kind of funny how he missed out on that goal on two separate occasions. Yeah. You can't, can't get the 40th on an empty net. Uh, hopefully he'll get it in the next game coming up a uh, Saturday night, huge game for the lightning as they're beginning to get it together a little bit here and uh, maybe playing their way into the playoffs. And let's talk about this. Now that the Panthers have won the last three in a row. Boston has had a little bit of a slump here, and now the two teams are tied on games played and points, standing points. Panthers having the better regulation win count. So now the Panthers are first place in the Eastern Conference. And now that it seems like it's much more in play than it was, say, the last time we recorded where we were talking about, you know, Maybe they can push for first place in the division, but we're most likely looking at a playoff series against the Leafs, and here's why that's okay. Now we're potentially looking at a scenario where tomorrow's game, or not tomorrow, Saturday's game, I guess tomorrow if you're listening, 
against the Lightning is a potential first-round preview? Um, well, it's actually not because right now Tampa is ahead of Toronto. And I know points percentage, it, it flips. But, um, yeah, Tampa, they've gone on a bit of a run, and they're now comfortably in the playoffs. I mean, there's seven points up on New Jersey. Again, New Jersey has two games in hand. But, you know, seven points is, is a pretty substantial margin with, you know, 27 games left to play. Uh, I agree. It, it's ever, any, any game in the Atlantic, considering how congested, you know, three – three and four and almost five, if you want to include Detroit at 60 points, like any game in the Atlantic is essentially a potential first round matchup. Cause you've got the Panthers and Boston in a literally deadlock, literal deadlock for first. And then three through five, those teams are within four or five points of each other. So it's anyone can, any game can be a matchup, but I agree with you in that it's a Saturday is a huge game for the lightning. It's not really for the Panthers. Um, would you like to win the division? Sure. You know, Panthers were asked about that now that they're, you know, officially in first, even though it's by points, per, not by points, percent, by a tiebreaker. Uh, Lomberg was like, we don't really care. Uh, it's just about the next game for us. We already showed last year we don't need to be in first place to make a run. And I think that is the right mentality to take. You want to be playing good hockey going into the playoffs, not having, you know, and I talk, we talked about this last podcast. You don't want to be, you know, fighting for every point going into the last few games. You want to be making sure you are ready. You're healthy and you're ready. And everyone is, is you know, in their peak optimal ready readiness. Yeah. And I know that's a run on sentences, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So to kind of sum it up, the number one most important thing is doing whatever you can that like when you show up in the playoffs and I'm not talking about where you're playing or who you're playing against, just in terms of your team, the 30, the 23 guys that they're in the best shape to, you know, go into that first round series and win that and it really doesn't matter who you're playing, where you're playing. Last year showed us that, but it it, it matters just a little bit to the extent that I'll say that yeah, you you would prefer to have home ice throughout. But I'm going to segue into talking about something that I've kind of talked about a little bit on the podcast already, uh, and we've got a goalie expert here uh, in Alex that can uh, contribute to the conversation. Uh, so I've spent the last couple of days doing a little bit of research on goalies, and I've taken the statistics of every team that has made the playoffs in a full season since 2008, which is about one, two, three, four, five, let's say like 10, 11 seasons of data, you know, not including 2013, that wasn't a full season, 2020 and 21, not full seasons. And, you know, we've got a lot of data and we're, we're looking at the relationship between time on ice and goaltending statistics. And I've broken it down every possible way. And so far, I've found a negative relationship between time on ice and goaltending percent uh, performance in the playoffs. The, the most substantial relationship that I've found is between goalies who played more minutes than the average playoff goalie 
and their save percentage going down. That's the most significant relationship that I found. All of this is pretty statistically insignificant, but it's worth noting that the correlation in no at no point that I've looked at suggests that higher time on ice leads to better percentage in the playoffs. And we've yeah. talked about that Bobrovsky has been playing a lot this year. You know, the Panthers went into the season with uh, Spencer Knight being a huge question mark, and that remains, even though he's bounced back a little bit in the AHL. Um, Anthony Stolarz, obviously phenomenal game tonight, 45 saves. That gives you a lot of confidence. I would think, you know, crossing my fingers that there will be something more substantial to come about this on Florida Hockey Now. I've got certainly some more things to crunch in terms of the numbers. Uh, I would like to implore the audience, please give me some ideas for things to look at here. I, I think I want to look at the like the extreme outliers in terms of guys that played like so many more minutes than league average and then went into the playoffs. What happened to them? I can see from the graphs that a lot of these guys fell off a little bit or a little bit more than a little bit, but some of them. I could see, like you know, and Andre Vasilevsky in there a little bit too. I can, I can tell because there, there's some very strong performances uh, at the far end of the time on ice area on the graph too. So, uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on all of this? Without seeing any of your research, without seeing any of your data, without doing any research of my own, I completely and 100 percent agree with you. Um, this is simple body physics here. The more you play in goalies, it is a lot tougher on goalies than it is on skaters. They play 60 minutes in a game. It's, you know, they, they play a lot. They play 60 minutes. They're on their feet, up and down. Their knees take an absolute beating. Goalies wear down. And if you want, like, if you're going to go on a cup run, you're not really playing your backup unless you, you're you a team like Carolina last year where they had two goalies they, they considered equal where – you know, if you wanted to rotate them, there's really not much of a drop-off. As great as Stolarz has been, if he's starting playoff games for you, you're you're really worried. You want you want Bob in there. You want him in there for – you need 16 wins in the playoffs. You're not going to win them all. So you're expecting to play 25-plus games in the playoffs. You have your goalie start 60-plus games and then start 25-plus in the playoffs – you're looking at a guy who played 85 to 90 games in a in a calendar year. That's a or not even in a calendar year in a seven eight month period. That's a lot of hockey. You don't need to look at all the math that TJ is doing to realize it's not the right idea. It's not the right way to treat your goalies. Yeah, and we're talking about a 35 year old here as well. Bobrovsky born in September 1988. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, as a 35-year-old who gives a shit about his body and his and his preparation, like the, you know, the, the the football comparison is you know Tom Brady at 45 compared to Ben Roethlisberger. And I, I can't remember what defensive lineman quoted him, but it's like when you hit Tom Brady, he hits you back even though he's standing still because his body is so well built. And then it was like. If you hit Ben Roethlisberger, it feels like you're breaking a bone every time you hit him just because he is that soft and doughy. Like, Bobrovsky takes care of himself. So, yeah, at 35, he is in a lot better shape than other 35-year-old goalies around the NHL. But you've got Anthony Solars, who has been 
fantastic for you. I mean, yes, he had a couple of stinkers, and I'll never stop mentioning it, but it happens. And I don't, I don't mention that to criticize him. I mention that to say, hey, he's a goalie you got for $1.1 million. Chicago game and the Anaheim game, those are going to happen. But, you know, he just got you a 4 nothing win on the second night of a back-to-back where you did not have legs. The Philly game, he deserved a better fate. I mean, 2-1, that's not on him. Like, he's doing the job for you. And just to your point, and then kind of tie up what we said, you know, Saturday matters for the for Tampa. I think you start Stolarz again. He had a shutout. You can easily explain it away to anyone who's going to ask the questions. Like, dude had a shutout. That's that's his until he gives up a goal, and no one is going to say, "Oh my God, goalie controversy and and, and Sunrise." It's no, your backup goalie has been very good. Had a shutout. You reward him with another game, and. The Panthers won't play again after Saturday until Tuesday. So you can get Bob a nice five-day rest in between starts, and you can start him at home against Ottawa. I, I can't really disagree with you. I mean, Actually, I'm going to disagree with myself and cut you off, okay. Jay. You start Bob against Tampa because that's the tougher opponent, and then you start Stellars against Ottawa, which is a game you should win regardless, and you still get Bob. Five, four days off because he won't play. He'll go from Saturday to Thursday. So, you know what? You can start Bob on sa- on Saturday, but Stellars gets the net on Tuesday, guaranteed. Yeah. I would say that, you know, anything other than Bob starting both games, I could sign off on. Really. Agreed. You know, I, I filtered it now to, to look at Bob, and it almost perfectly just, like, ramps up to where the less time on ice that he played in the regular season, the better he played in the postseason. The only season that kind of complicates it, like I guess there's kind of two, but 2018, he played the most minutes and it was his second worst postseason performance. 2017, third most minutes, third worst performance. His worst was for whatever reason, 2014 where he only played 3,300 minutes. That was the third least. Uh, but the two Florida seasons, those were his best, and it was his least and second least amount of regular season time on ice. And in both those years, he was above average in terms of goals saved above expected, and his save percentage went up from the regular season in both those years. So there you go. And I mean, with his age especially, that's gotta that's gotta tell you that there's a relationship here with this particular goalie when it comes to time on ice in the regular season and playoff performance. And yeah. I'll I'll dig into that more for Florida hockey now in the future. Hold me accountable. Hold me to that. Not only you, Alex, but also the, all the listeners and George and Coley, if they're listening. Uh, just to go into it a little bit deeper, looking at the schedule and, and for the rest of the season. You know, they're in the middle of a three and four nights all on the road. Um, March, you've got another three and four nights where you go to New York, New Jersey, and then play at home in Philly to for the fourth game or the third game in four nights. And then you have another one of those in April where you have, again, three and four nights in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, off day, Boston, Um you're going to like stars is going to get his games just because of that. But you, like, there's just the way the schedule sets up to finish the year is there's a lot of back. There's three sets of back-to-backs. 
most of the games there's one day in between and then like you get a two-day break uh at some point so there's a lot of hockey to be played um there's not the the schedule is condensed uh as it gets later in the year i mean the Panthers do like a four-day break in between games in like march that's very strange but other than that like there's not a lot of time off and uh yeah you're gonna need to be rotating your goalies hell depending on where you are in the standings and you know you're pretty comfortably in second uh because i don't think you really want to fall further than second unless someone just goes on a tear and catches you uh I think you finished the last month of the season almost alternating games. I th- I think you should. I honestly would think about maybe if you're in a position where it more or less seems like your playoff seating is determined, which I kind of doubt because Boston and Florida right now are in, you know, they have they're in identical games played, identical points. I would I would look at Spencer Knight in an NHL setting. I'm not against it. It just all depends on, you know, it all depends on where, where, where your cap goes at the uh, deadline. Like if you bring in, I don't want to say they're going to do it, but like let's say Jake Gensel somehow a Florida Panther, uh, you're going to need that cap space to go to him. Not another million, a million three for Spencer Knight because that's what he would cost if you bring him up. It's another million three. Yeah, that is true. And you you can't just wave Stolarz because he would get picked up, and you're going to want him if Spencer Knight isn't better, which you know we're we're guessing that he's not going to be better because he's well, in the AHL. Yeah, there there there's no like you under no circum under no circumstances do you risk Stolarz. Like hell, I, I think there's a few teams like Carolina that would take him as their starter right now. He has been that good this year, and there's so many goaltending issues throughout the league. Like. You in no circumstances risk Stolarz on waivers. He is getting claimed by at least half a dozen playoff teams. Everybody wants a goaltending insurance around this time of year. Uh, we'll talk more about the trade deadline as this, the the uh, season comes along because uh, it is, you know, eminently approaching. There might be some Sabers that uh, Panthers could be interested in at the trade deadline. Uh, I do want to take a second and laugh that the Panthers had four former Sabers in the lineup tonight, and. With the exception of Kulikov, who's just, you know, he's older in his career, but like every single one of them, the Panthers are getting exponentially more out of them than the Sabres ever did. That was a pretty brutal season for Kulikov, too. So I would say him as well. Uh, But he had real bad back problems that he was trying to play through at the time, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, not really sure what exactly to say about that, but um, he's playing pretty decent right now for them. At at a million a year, you can't really complain. Um, So we're coming near the end of the episode. Why don't we talk about the Ridley Gregg and Morgan Riley snafu? Because I feel like that's... Did we talk about... No, because that happened after we recorded our last episode. Yeah, it must have, because that was on Saturday, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Do I care that Ridley Gregg did it? No. Would I be upset if I was on the Toronto Maple Leafs and someone did that to me? Yes. Would I give him a shove after he scored that goal? Yes. So, like, this is kind of one of those situations where nobody's really wrong, but everyone's really wrong. Yeah. So, like, 
you know, no, you shouldn't cross check someone in the head after the whistle because they scored too fancy of an empty net goal. But at the same time, like that Ottawa is a team that is begging for an emotional boost and something to rally on to try and make something out of this disaster of a season for them. So yeah. And the, and, you know, the Battle of Ontario is a thing. Those team teams are rivals, even though, you know, Ottawa's been a doormat for the la- better part of a decade. Yeah, um, that, re- that really got him going. I mean, Steve Goldstein was talking about how well they've been playing recently. Let's just see. Oh, they lost 5-1 tonight to the Ducks. <laughs> that's the joke. Yeah, that's the joke. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't really disagree with what you're saying at all. I mean, nobody really did anything too egregious, but everybody made a mistake here. I, I I mean, if you want to be Greek and say, look, I knew that I was going to get that kind of response. And I, I, I just felt like it was worth it to, you know, talk a little bit of trash and look, it's good for the game. Oh, it's yeah. good for the game to have, have, a you know, a little bit of hatred. I don't necessarily want blood on the ice, but you, you want the guys to get a little pissed off after the game. You want them to show up each other when they win. And I would say the person I'm most upset with here is is Riley because that was just a disproportionate response. You don't need to cross check a guy in the head for doing that. Frankly, there's no real reason to ever do it. Right. There are some circumstances where I'm not going to really pay attention to that sort of thing, but no, no real reason to do that. I did think five games was a little excessive. I don't. The precedent okay. was there. The precedent was there. Like you go after someone after a goal. That way, it's a lengthy suspension. I mean, Dale Hunter got 21 games back in the 90s. 21 games. That's literally a quarter of the season for doing something similar. And that was back during the old-time hockey era. So, like, the the standard is there. And and that's how far back you got to go to see something like this because it never happens. Like, yeah, you'll see, like, pushing and shoving after a whistle, you know, when someone doesn't like how this – you saw it tonight when Lomberg scored – his power play goal and absolutely looked at, you know, the Bru- not the Bruins, the Sabres bench and started chirping. So like, yeah, there was pushing and shoving right after that. And then they tried to fight him on the next faceoff. That's what usually happens. You don't ever really see someone go after them with a cross check or a slash or whatever. Like, so what you saw was rare and the length and the suspension should have been lengthy. I, I think there is that clip going around of, what happened with the uh, Shayson and I can't remember what leaf it was. And that was in the 21 season. That was one game. It was, it was really just like one motion that wasn't as violent, but it only did get one game. There was the Matthew suspension, which was, I think that was also a cross check to the face. That was two games, I think. Right. That was two games. And again, it was less because it was during play, even though it was yeah. not part in the, in the flow of play, but like that was a well-deserved two games. Like, the Leafs fan persecution complex, complex. I've got zero time for it. Just none. I, in general, I like when it comes to officiating, I agree with like penalty calls, but I think there is something legitimate. They were, I was listening to uh, Sean McIndoe talk about it on Puck Soup. They have the most suspensions in the George Paris era, and they have the least suspensions against. Which the math doesn't add up because they're not the dirtiest team in the league. Uh, they had bunting. They had cadre. Um, they did have cadre. Like, I'm I'm not really sure about bunting. 
Bunting was absolutely dirty. Didn't you don't you remember his suspension last year in the playoffs? He got suspended the, last year? No. Yeah, he, he had a horrible cross check that like cost him like three games. Oh yeah. Time. Against Tampa. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like you know, the the the, the monster tax, I guess. The, the story about uh Toronto is that they're, you know, a quote unquote soft team with the core four, but like They've had their physical guys on that roster as they try to shake that, you know, that uh, that tagline, and they have guys who cross the line. Like again, Bunting is no angel, Kadri is no angel. Like a lot of those suspensions were longer suspensions because guys like Bunting and Kadri would not stop doing stupid shit on the ice. Kadri being a repeat offender also made the suspensions a little bit lengthier. Right. I, I will have to plead ignorance with Bunting. I know he did have the one suspension and the guy's kind of a pass. But look, the Panthers have Bennett, Cousins, Kachuk, and, I, I, you know, a couple yeah. of those guys have only been here a couple years. But, you know, the suspension. Guys, go ahead. Those guys have all gotten suspended. Bennett's yeah, not this game. year. Kachuk's mixed. Okay, but <laughs> Kachuk and Bennett, like, especially because I think part of it is because they're you know they got in. They had serious injuries in the playoffs last year, but like neither of them have been the pest they were in years past. Now I anticipate they'll turn it on in the playoffs, but like Kachuk's and Bennett's penalty minutes have to be way down from last year, and that's me without looking at anything. Like they've got to be way down. That, I wouldn't be surprised. The like, one suspension Nick, the Panthers have had this year was pretty questionable. Yeah. Yeah, Will Lockwood not even trying to get a hit got three games. Now, you want to tell me Nick Cousins should have had a couple of suspensions? Fine with me. He should have got one for Good Branson. He should have gotten one for uh for the Arizona play. But you know, like you know, Ben and Kachuk, those guys have really tamed it down. Uh Radko Goose is no longer here. Right. Like, you know. Yes, the Panthers have a lot of pests on the on the roster, but there really haven't been that many suspendable issues this year outside of Nick Cousins. Okay, I think we can wrap up that conversation there. Let's just transition straight into Paris. You got anything? Oh no, I got I got something real quick. Okay, yeah, go for it. I don't care. Happy trails to the worst GM in the NHL. Right? How you had this job for so long? Like, I don't get it, Jarmokekalainen. Like. Goodbye. Like you were so bad. How how Columbus put up with you for so long? I will never understand it. You should have been fired the second you brought the Duchesne trade to ownership. It was so stupid. And then you know the Duchesne trade is also you know going for it instead of selling Bobrovsky and Panarin, which would have absolutely set you up with a haul for a rebuild. Instead, you lost all three of them for nothing. And but you got four wins in the playoffs. Or actually, excuse me, five. The six. Congrats. Was it six? Yeah, it was. Oh, they <laughs> Not lost, like oh, it matters. Right. They lost four two. They lost four two. So you got six wins in the playoffs, and you haven't sniffed them since. Or or, or did Torres get them in a couple of them? He did get them in, but like they had one win in the bubble. And I'm not sure if they had made it in another year, but you know, they had the yeah, one win. Yeah, in the bubble. oh that's right. They 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 knocked out uh Toronto. They knocked out Toronto in hilarious fashion and then bowed out quickly. Yeah. They blew so, that three-goal lead in game four only to just 
completely suffocate him in game five. Right. But yeah, like Darnold kick a line and you were so bad at your job. You are so lucky that Cam and Josh were there helping you find amazing prospects. So you can at least say, Hey, look, I'm building a bright future while you just make an absolute mess of the NHL roster. With that said, Cam Lawrence for Columbus Blue Jackets GM. Yeah. And also Mike Babcock situation this year. And I've yeah. already st- stated my piece with the the coach that they have now, me not being a fan of his. Yeah. It, you know, I didn't think that he did a terrible job up until like, I don't know, three, four years ago, but like, yeah, the Duchesne trade was very questionable at the time. I feel like a lot of small market GMs probably would have done the same thing. Uh, you know, ownership runs the show a lot of time. Uh, they, yeah, any of them would have been wrong. I, I, I have to agree with that. The, the last five or so years of decisions have been way less defensible. Uh, so good Very riddance. Good. I mean, the Mike Babcock thing doesn't even make me like feel bad about it. Like, I, I don't want to root for people to lose their job a lot of the time, but he actually deserved it from a moral standpoint for the Mike Babcock thing. He put he stuck his head out there. And he got egg on his face. And I don't feel bad about saying happy trails for that reason. I mean, Erica Branson, Provorov, Severson, just so many bad decisions at the NHL level. All right, Puri, you got anything? Because I don't have anything, Puri. College football video game trailer. Did you watch it? I did. I'm looking forward to it. I saw an absolutely terrifying tweet of someone basically showing how they're going to do microtransactions and basically make it NIL where it's like, oh, uh, you know, I really I really want to go to your school, but Texas has got a great NIL offer. It's going to cost 8,000 points, and then it's a screen of how much 8,000, like all the different points and how, you know, how all these microtransactions work. 8,000 points cost $8 or whatever. And I absolutely see that happening with this game now that I've seen it. It's just like, oh, no, they're going to make you pay for your recruiting. And they're just going to make so much money off people who will do that. That's that's why we uh, – it, it's sort of like that post that said, you know, I asked my landlord to raise my rent so I would grind harder. Yeah, that, yeah. That's going to be me playing dynasty mode. It's like I'm not going to do the microtransactions. I'm going to just have to grind harder to get, you know – um, North New Mexico State into the playoff. I mean, if you if you're so uh, you know if you're so into using a downtrodden program, just use your Gators. Yeah, that's true. Get them above five wins. It's going to be a monumental <laughs> task, but they do have an easy Week One opponent, so that that'll get them off to a good start. Do they? They're playing I'm Miami. Sure. They're playing Miami. I, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. <laughs> I mean, that was just a. A dig back at you. It, it was a, it was an, it was an attempt. You tried. I'm interested to see what the line is when it comes. Yeah, to I'm surprised we don't have one yet. But I mean, we don't know what the rosters are going to be. So who knows? I mean, we have a pretty good idea of signing yeah, days over. So. And I mean, yeah, I guess we could have more transfers in the spring. But like that Gator team is looking really weak. And I say I say this confidently as a UM fan who has no confidence in his team. But like. That Gator team looks terrible. We'll have to see week one. Uh, anything else Paris-wise? Uh, I mean, other than that, well, I am super excited. I'm going to be getting that game and finding ways to avoid work for a couple of days <laughs> so I can play the shit out of it. Um, Paris, no, nothing. Um, would you have 
would you have taken the ball in overtime in the Absolute, Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That was the worst decision ever. You're get like the rules are now. You're guaranteed two possessions, no matter what. You can score a touchdown and get a two point conversion, and they still get the ball. Like you do not do that. You kick it off. Let what you let Patrick like because if Mahomes goes and gets a touchdown, you can you know you got four downs four downs every play, the score. Your punter is done. Your kicker is done. You got four downs to score, and when you do, you then get to make a decision: Do I want to go for two and go for the win, or kick the extra point? You have so many more decisions at your disposal if you kick off. And instead, you took the ball, kicked a field goal, and basically told Mahomes, "All right, the only thing I, you can't do is punt." You gave Mahomes four four downs to get across the fifty on every single series, like. It was so dumb. I I can see both ways, but I think that it's probably going to play out that that's going to be the advantageous situation. I like you know it it it's got to be for me. How often do, is there a third possession? Because Kyle Shanahan came out and said the rationale was, and this is the rationale if you are a take the ball first guy, that you want the third possession because the third possession then is old school overtime rules next score wins but again it's just got to be how often does it happen you know if there's a third possession because let's be honest with the chiefs how good they are in short yardage with pacheco and all of their gadget two yard plays or mahomes running they're going for two every time there there's not going to be a third possession I don't. I don't know what their two percent, two point percentage, but if the Niners had seen that they were, they were it was the play they won the Super Bowl with, and right. it was wide open. It was, and like they literally and they ran, ran it in, yeah, last year. Right. That's their that's their best short yardage play, and guess what? Like maybe they keep it in their back pocket for the two point conversion and score the other way. Another way, like it's just Pacheco running it in, but like that play was going to be there. And that's how they were going to win the Super Bowl by going for two if you scored the touchdown. Uh, I'll, I'll end this discussion by saying I saw kind of an interesting tweet by a journalist that said, I asked like five NFL analytics people, and I believe they're talking about like employed by an NFL team. And the responses were, I think it was two that that said I would likely prefer to get the ball first. One person that said it doesn't really matter. And two that said they would strongly prefer to get it second. Hindsight is 2020 and does maybe influence a little bit of the thinking here, but you know, those people have probably thought it through too. That said, get the ball second. I mean, the chiefs came into this saying, we want the ball second. Everybody heard the videos. Everybody has seen those. Like we, we know they wanted the ball second. It's not rewriting history to say that. Yeah. The the chiefs had their game plan. They'd thought about it. It's questionable whether the, the 49ers had and that's that's why I think there's so much backlash on this. Uh, anyway, uh, just the last thing on that: Super Bowl is over, so now we got March Madness up next in about a month, and then the playoffs for the NHL and the NBA will follow that up about a month after. This is a pretty sweet point in the calendar. Are you excited? Oh, I mean, did you not see the uh, TikTok? 
I of, did. The, of the guy explaining to his wife all of the stuff we've got to get us to football season. If you haven't, it's incredible. Go out and find it. I'll tweet it again. I'll tweet it from our our uh, our account. But like, we basically got the Masters. We've got the Summer Olympics. We've got the U.S. Open. We've got March Madness. We got playoffs. We've got so much stuff to get us through to September that you don't even need to talk about that shitty ass sport called baseball outside of a uh, college world series. And we've got so much sports to get us through, uh, through to September 1st. Yeah. The summer is a little bit drier, but this is going to be a good summer because you said the summer Olympics, we also have Messi in town in MLS yeah. and the Copa America is this summer and it's going to be in the U S and the U S is going to be involved. So that's going to be cool. Uh, this is going to be a very good year. And uh, I'm looking forward to all of the excitement and we're going to be loving it when the Panthers lift the Stanley cup. And we got the Stanley cup at hard rock stadium for the Copa America final. It's going to be a championship year for Miami and uh, Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler are going to be there with the Larry O'Brien too. So it's going to be crazy. All right. Absolute last word of Paris because we went way longer than we said we were going to. Um, if you're a Marlins fan who saw the Sixto Sanchez bullpen session and think, oh, my God, he's back, um, I hate you. I don't think anybody is. <laughs> There's no – just just go on Twitter. There are way too many people being like, oh, that release looks clean, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, 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 the guy was throwing 83 miles an hour last year in his one inning. Like, just, just let it go. <laughs> All right, um, rate, us, rate us five stars on pitchingmechanics.com. Right, and uh, shout out to Ben Bendix, Bent Dick. That'll do it for this duo edition of Panther Paris. You'll hear us again with Jacob next time, next week, hopefully early next week. But until then, go Panthers. Mm-hmm.